Kia ora and welcome to Discipleship Aotearoa. In this podcast you will hear about, well, uh, discipleship in Aotearoa. You'll hear from me, Caleb, your host, as well as friends that are passionate about Jesus and discipleship. So pick up a paddle and jump in the waka with us. We'll learn some tools, resources and perspectives that will inform, inspire, maybe even irk you as you live out your walk with Jesus. Kia ora. welcome back to Discipleship Aotearoa and this is episode number 5. And if you remember episode number 5 we said would be uh, where you would send in questions about discipleship and I would try and answer them. And so here we are. Um, it's been a long time between drinks. Um, I've had a few big things happen in my life. Uh, semester started at Kerry. I moved house and a whole lot of other cool things have happened. I also managed to go to my favourite pie spot and I am told that I was wrong by a few people and I just want to say to those people I'm sorry for getting it wrong uh, but I enjoyed the pie and if you uh, if you want to go to a good pie place then I can recommend it to you anyway uh, this episode as I said is about your questions and so we're just going to launch right into it okay so question number one and this is from a person in Wellington all the people shall remain anonymous this question says there is a bit of focus on perfection or holiness in the Bible in my experience of discipleship, this focus often ends up being a source of shame for both myself and people I'm living alongside. Any thoughts about how discipleship could become less shame-inducing? What a great question. And um, I think I can relate to this one uh, quite a bit. Shame is an interesting thing, I think, because on one hand, it can genuinely motivate you. And, you know, there's many cultures um, that utilize it uh, shame honor cultures around the world and it's a value that they have but I think shame especially in a Christian context um, I think it's a bit different uh, shame I think is not a real motivator for real transformation I mean looking at the biblical narrative in the garden shame is introduced in the first act of rebellion right when humans uh, go and eat of the fruit and then from then on we we see shame as this reality and um I don't know about you when it comes to discipleship i think that shame is is not that helpful i think that until we decloak ourselves from shamefulness in other aspects of our lives outside of our discipleship i think that we'll keep running into this this problem and maybe maybe actually part of this is having a broader look into what sin is you know sin often you know growing up i understood it to be the bad things you did uh, particularly in secret it was often just moral but sin is more than that you look at scripture you look at the meanings of sin in the original language and in english we can say that sin is when we break shalom you know that word that jewish word for peace and harmony and connection and relationship with god um relationship actually not, not just with god but with the rest of creation and also uh relationship with ourselves so sin is when we break that and so I think that maybe if our discipleship would have a clearer or a wider view of what sin is and not so much of a narrow one, uh, maybe shame wouldn't be so easy for us to um, kind of grasp for uh, when it comes to discipleship. Uh, maybe we'll be able to own our own discipleship more and, and lead to more freeing ways. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that? Um, that's question number one. I'm going to leave it there, move on. Um, 
So this question here is from Nelson and it says this, from the perspective of my young people, how do I, sh um, they want to know, how do I share my faith genuinely with my friends? There's quite a bit of fear and anxiety around this for my passionate rangatahi. My answer to that is that I think we need to look at the gospel that we've been teaching. Have we been teaching a gospel that we truly believe needs to be shared? And if we did, would we even be asking this question? A cool phrase I like is, you do what you see. And so if you do not do something, it is probably not because you don't want to, or because you don't believe it's important, but most likely it's because you have not been shown how to do it. Over the years, I've been privileged to meet new followers of Jesus and it's so good. It's so good to do so. And, and they're awesome. And many of them come to know Jesus through a personal connection. Um, I've often asked them who and they've named me the people. And I've often thought that um, those people that have shared with them the gospel, someone's shared it with them. You know, they've shared with them how to witness to Jesus. And if we just, I guess, look at our the modern way that we, we, we go about our faith, and especially in church, um, do we provide space to do that? I guess the answer to that question is probably evident in the fact that this question about teaching our young people how to share their faith with their young people, I think that's actually a very common question, sadly. So I, th I think it would not be at all out of line to say that young people will not know how to share their faith if they do not see or hear others doing it and equipping them to do so. So I guess I didn't really answer the question. <laughs> Maybe I did. Who knows? Who knows? But um, I'll leave it there. Um, question number three. Discipleship takes time, right? Like lots of time. And in many of our contexts, which are time poor, what could or should we expect of each other in our faith communities? Can an hour and a half on a Sunday cut it? And this question was from a person in Wellington. Well, if you want the short answer, I don't think so. Um, there's a much longer answer, which I think is actually an upcoming episode for this podcast. Um, but yeah, I find it really interesting in that question around being time poor, because we're time poor, but we're rich in busyness. Um, we all know that, we all feel that, and yet we're caught in the current of that, a current that is as strong as the Waikato River. Yeah, so we, we, we know that we're busy, we know that we're time poor, but there are non-negotiables um, when it comes to our lives and we don't move there and I think I mean this person's from Wellington I'm from Auckland and if you're in the cities you know um, that we love to be busy and so uh, I think that there needs to be more contextual responses to being church to address this and I'm not sure well no I'm pretty certain that an hour and a half on a Sunday can't cut it if we look back before the pandemic happened there were a few churches uh, who realized that this crisis was the time to sit back, take stock and ask the hard questions about what it meant to be church because many of the ways that we were being church uh, were no longer available to us. And so I remember just the creativity and the, um, the moving of resource and the asking of questions that hadn't happened before. And I was quite uh, encouraged by them at the time. And lo and behold, uh, as soon as the, 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 the bubbles burst and the borders open, by and large, I don't know about you, but from what I see around me and in me, the current of life has just pulled me right back into what was happening beforehand, uh, except this time I know how to work Zoom. Um, so 
I think there fundamentally does need to be yeah change uh, and 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 I believe the Holy Spirit's doing that already um, with with questions around what are more contextual ways for us to be the church um, to be able to do discipleship well and so yeah stay tuned to this one for another episode I reckon question asker uh, number four number four question number four from a person in Christchurch man we've got from all over Aotearoa how good um, so this question uh, is how do you do discipleship as a father and, and in the home. Um, and so, uh, if you don't know, I've been a father now for nearly four years, so I'm what people would consider an expert. Just kidding. I'm definitely not. And if anything, uh, the one thing I tell people about being a parent is that it's hard. Um, and being a father is hard. Being a mother is hard. And I think this one needs a whole nother podcast. But I think the question is, yeah, how do you disciple and parent at the same time? That's that's the question that I've, I've asked myself through this time. And yeah, it's a hard one because I find that there are different cultural ways of being a parent. There are Christ, uh, different Christian cultural ways of being a parent and trying to siphon out what's good or what's helpful versus what's less helpful um, is a mentally tiring task. It is it is so tiring with one person, let alone doing that in partnership with someone else, let alone doing that with other parents around. Um, so uh, it's pretty difficult, but I guess... As a practical answer, what I've tried to do is I've tried to share my faith and love for Jesus in the small things. So, and in both the good and the bad things. When I when I do well and when I don't, you know, being quick to say sorry and to talk about grace. It's one of the concepts, uh, the biblical concepts. Of, I think I've talked a lot to my son about um, is, is grace, uh, asking him for it. Um, because yeah, with young ones, it's not so much how you talk about it; it's if you show it or not. Um, and if your your talk matches your walk and vice versa so there's been a lot of failing um, there's been a lot of realizing the need for grace um, and honestly I struggle I really do struggle um, to be a parent and um, I find it freeing when I meet other Christians they say the same and I think there needs to be more spaces where parents can be more open about that you know you think about the phrase it takes a, a village to raise a child we've got no more village we, we don't live in a village anymore we, we we live in cities and cities within cities within suburbs within you know houses that are often built like fortresses we we don't really share life like we did and this is probably going back to the question before why we need more contextual ways to be the church together um, because back in the day I wasn't the only parent um, you know uh, grandmother grandfather siblings people that weren't related neighbors they were um, and so yeah, I, I think there's that. that's the best I can get to in terms of an answer to that question. But I have moved houses recently and uh, am living uh, right next door to some awesome friends um, and fellow disciples right next door to us. And so uh, seeing them interact with my children, helping to raise them, helping to um, be a part of our community and our village has shown me just a glimpse of what I think we could do when it comes to trying to learn how to be parents together it, it's not just a biological thing i think particularly in the family of god it goes beyond that and so i'm, I'm just starting to scratch the surface um, in terms of answering this question and i'm okay with it uh so yeah uh kia ora. um question number five so this person i don't know where they're from but this this question hit me uh, the biggest out of all the questions sent to me and so this is what it says uh Kia ora, I am Māori and I am Christian. Uh, 
sometimes I'm challenged by individuals, groups, peers, whānau, and from both of these communities, I'm challenged that I cannot fully or truly be thriving if I am both. How do I continue to move forward and respond to them in aroha? Ignoring can only do so much to one's mental health. So first I want to thank the person who sent this through, Ngamihi Mahana e um, Thank you for asking this and it's a question that is yeah, obviously deeply personal to me and relevant as well. And I hope some of my sharing might be some kind of uh, comfort or encouragement to you. So first things first, this is something, this is a reality that no other ethnic group can come close to understanding in this culture, okay? And in this country. And, and this is a result of the history our people have had and the entangled relationship between Christianity and Māori. Um, at times, to be Christian and Māori was the same thing, and at other times, to be Christian and Māori were at war with each other. So know that this is not your fault. This is, um, we, are, we are products of our history, and, and, and there is much history there as well. So, so first, just want to acknowledge that. Uh, along the way, something else that I found helpful is having other Māori to talk to about this, um, other Māori Christians. And, and, and allies, people who get it. Um, there are people that may not be Māori, but they, for whatever reason, they can understand this a little bit more. I've often found that women um, understand a little bit more of the bicultural tension that happens. Um, I find that other minorities from all over understand. Um, and so find some safe people, pray for some safe people. I, I pray for them to, to come alongside you and to be there for you. Um, another thing for me that helps me is to think of my tūpuna, to think about my ancestors, and also to think of my future descendants. So when I think about my ancestors, um, from up north, some of the first to receive the gospel, and for the gospel to be a thing that gave them life, that gave them opportunity, that uh, was something worth giving themselves to. When I want to, when I want to wrestle with the fact, why you know, why did you do that, and and. And, 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 and your culture, your culture was destroyed in a lot of ways. Um, I, just, I just think about them and I think about honouring them uh, and the decisions they made then. So, so that's one, one way that I think about it. And the other, the other part is, is downwards, is to my future descendants. I think about, um, yeah, my sons and their, their children and etc, etc. What, what's it going to be like for them to live as a, a Māori and as a Christian in this country? What, what will it look like for them if... I don't apply myself to help create change. If I don't apply myself to, for example, um, resource people to to, to honour the treaty well, if I don't, if I don't try and be the answer to my own prayers, and if I don't do that, if I don't, for example, when I was pastoring, if I didn't get up and um, lead, if people don't see it, then they won't do it. If, if, if people hadn't seen me, and I've had people tell me this, then they didn't think that they could be Christian in Māori. I've, I've had people tell me this and to be frank I've told other people that are older than me that as well and so just think of your descendants think of the world that you want to live in and the sacrifices we make now if you think about it the way I think about it is that proverb about um, planting seeds for trees that we won't ever get to sit under because that's what our tupuna did for us they did that when they had the gospel and they've done that in many other ways and so, um, yeah, Eho, um, thank you for your question. There's so much we could do there, and we, we will talk about this one in a future podcast as well. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. So those those were some of the questions that uh, were sent in. 
uh, for this uh, episode five. Um, this was just me spitballing and brainstorming and, 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 and having a call it all with you. I wonder what your thoughts are. Uh, maybe you can think about the questions asked and uh, discuss them with your friends or, or in your own groups. It's been a real pleasure uh, to do that and uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Cheers.